Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Tuesday, October 17th, 2023, and I am delighted to be with you this morning or afternoon or evening, and maybe it's not even October 17, 2023. It might be 2024 or 2025. The magic of the internet is that it is forever. Well, if you're on Sermon Audio, it's forever. If you're on Facebook, eh, I don't know about that. We'll have to see. But nevertheless, I am glad to be with you this morning. Uh, hopefully these things stick around for a while. I hope that uh, your week is just progressing along nicely. I don't know what it's like where you are living because we have people that are joining in from all over the world, really. Um, and I'm delighted that it, if you are not here in the United States with us, I'm delighted that you're a part of this time. Drop me a line sometime and I'd love to hear from you. But um, people from all over the world are, are a part of this. And I guess there are places that could possibly be nicer than here. Maybe. And I'm, I'm not gloating. I'm not bragging. I'm just, I'm so delighted that the Lord has seen fit to bring my, my family and me to, to this little area of the world, the Shenandoah Valley. Y'all, oh, it is beautiful. I, either later today or tomorrow, I'm going to fulfill a, a lifelong childhood dream of mowing the lawn while wearing a jacket and a hat. You know, I, I remember doing that as a child thinking, oh, God, do people ever cut the grass when it's cold outside? Well, I'm about to in Virginia. So, you know, but it's just beautiful. And it's not cold, cold, but it's in the 50s out there. Um, actually, when I'm recording this, I think it's still in the 30s out there, but or very low 40s. But the leaves are changing. Oh, it, it, it's such a glorious time of the year in the valley. So I hope it is nice where you are too. Um, if you find yourself in our area, come on by and I'll, I'll, I'll take you on a little drive. Anyway, um, thank you for being a part of this time with me. What we're doing is we're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Where we find ourselves is in Acts chapter 14, and we're picking up today in verse 8. We just made it through the first seven verses yesterday because we received a principle, and that is that the gospel divides. Yes, indeed it does. It, the gospel divides, but the gospel also unites. Um, the problem is, is that the gospel either unites people under itself for the sake of Christ, or the gospel unites people against uh, the cause for Christ, right? We saw that yesterday, that it wasn't just the Jews that came against Paul and Barnabas. It was also the Gentiles. And uh, you know this incredible thing happened that, that had only happened previously, really, when Jesus was crucified. And, and I don't mean incredible good, but the Jews and the Gentiles who loathe one another, they managed to work together. And work together very well, but they're working together to try to destroy the gospel. You see, that's the situation the gospel puts people in. You will either respond to it, recognizing that you are a sinner in need of grace, or you will be at enmity with it. Nevertheless, Paul and Barnabas continued on despite the difficulties they face. Um, where we left them yesterday was in Iconium, but making their way to Lystra and to Derby. Now, um, it's interesting. We, we've talked all about Paul and Barnabas and the things that they have done. 
But in terms of getting a glimpse into who they really are, today's fascinating because we get to see that. But also, we get to see how the world worked then, but also how the world works now. We also get to see the temptation that we would face in following Jesus. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's pray, and then we'll dig in. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us as we witness the works of the apostles, as we witness you building your church, and also along the way as we learn so much about who we are and and what we're to do and also the temptations that we face, also about the world. Uh, Use these things to empower us, to equip us, not just for the sake of, of knowledge or anything like that, but instead use these things to spur us on toward good works so that we too can share in your grand redemptive plan. I pray this in all things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we're in Acts chapter 14. We're going to start reading in verse 8 where it says, In Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. All right, time out. If you recall yesterday, you might say, well, man, what what in the world's going on? If you recall yesterday, we talked about the fact that, well, you can look at, at Acts 14, verse 3, right? This is where we were yesterday. It says, so Paul and Barnabas uh, <clears throat> spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Fast forward away from Iconium, we're in Lystra now. This is the same thing, y'all. It's it's nothing different. What we see at work here is the power of God's grace. Not Paul's power. No, not Barnabas's power. It is the power of God's grace. Now, why am I emphasizing that this morning? Um. Y'all, look, I don't know who is on here, okay? I know a lot of you who are on here, and I know that that many of you are at a point in your walk with the Lord and in, in growing in your relationship with the Lord and the understanding of his word that you can tell a fraud when you see him, right? That when you hear about certain things happening on television and, you know, the, the, the big tent kind of stuff that you know, Right, you, you you know when when you see the guys like Benny Hinn out there, I almost said Benny Hill. That's a different thing altogether. But when you see the guys out there like Benny Hinn doing these faith miracles, and and when you see these, and y'all, the world sees this too. Come on, y'all. I mean, if you don't, then hop on Instagram or Facebook and look at the reels of this where they take these these big mega church services, these healing services where people are jumping up and acting like a bunch of idiots, right? And, and they put music to it. The world sees this stuff, y'all, and they mock the church for it. So I know that a goodly number of you know the difference between what we just read here in Acts chapter 14 and some of the things that go on in popular Christianity today, or maybe French Christianity, maybe not. It depends, it depends really on where you are. The, 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 the word of faith, acts of signs and wonders. Y'all, remember what we just read. 
Back at the beginning in Acts 14, verse three, we heard that Paul and Barnabas are preaching the word and that God, through the power of his grace, gave signs and wonders. We talked about this yesterday. The value of the sign is not the sign. The sign is never given just for the sake of the sign. The sign is always given to point to the greater reality of the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, healings just for the sake of healings, you don't find that anywhere in scripture, nowhere. But also you find something else in scripture. Instead of this paradigm that you have going on right now with the ludicrous stuff that is taking place in, in, in sections of Christianity, what you also find is a resounding refrain with all of these things that take place. And, and we could go back and look it up. I'd encourage you to later today. But as Jesus performed signs, remember the gospel according to John, John refers to what Jesus did as signs exclusively as well, because it wasn't the, the value wasn't in the healings, the miracles, the value is what they pointed to. But nevertheless, nevertheless, you find this refrain repeated again and again, where Jesus is saying the same thing that we were just shown in Acts chapter 14, where when Jesus would heal, when a sign was offered, he would say something to the effect of go and sin no more. So repentance was involved, but also your faith has made you well. And the power is never claimed by the individual. You see with Paul and Barnabas here, they're never claiming this power. They're not wielding these gifts and afterwards passing the KFC buckets for the offering. You dig? They're not doing that. Instead, we see these signs being done by God himself. And we see, as we just read, verse 9, he listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. Y'all, it is the faith that heals. It's the power of God, the grace of God, but it is the faith that heals. It's not Paul and Barnabas out here running around because they're super duper Christians with all of this power to wield that they have gained somehow, some way. And if you doubt that, well, we have the rest of the passage. But I'm making that pronouncement that I'm stressing this, I'm emphasizing this now, because what we find in our modern context is that there are individuals out there, I've already named one, that walk around as if they have this power to wield, as if they control the Holy Spirit. And it's lies. It's satanic lies. And what they do is really engage people to, to, to take part in simony. You remember we dealt with Simon the sorcerer who tried to buy the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what these men, these modern day men do out there that are peddling this garbage. They act as if they have power to wield. And yet with Paul and Barnabas, bluntly they claim that they do not have this power, that it is instead the power of God how do I know this? Well, look at verse 11. 
When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Then we find out verse 12, Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Well, how do you like that, right? No good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> and I'm not saying that there's some hierarchy between Paul and Barnabas other than the fact that Barnabas is the protege to Paul. But so I guess there is kind of a hierarchy, but not in value or anything like that. But you get what's going on there. They're saying, well, Barnabas, he's the quiet one, so he must be Zeus. And, and Paul, because he's the one that's doing all the talking, he must be the messenger god, which is Hermes. Zeus was the chief god in the Iconian, well, in the Greek and the Roman pantheon, right? Uh, Zeus in Greece, right? That, um, no, oh, excuse me, um, Jupiter in Greece, Zeus in Rome. But in the Roman pantheon, Zeus was the highest of all the gods. And they thought Barnabas was Zeus because he was the quiet one. They thought Hermes was his messenger because he did all the talking. So that's the dynamic here. Verse 13, the priest of Zeus, who, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowds wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Now pause, time out. I said earlier we would get to learn about who Paul and Barnabas really are here. Y'all, we cannot fathom the temptation they would have faced here. We really can't, or, or the potential for, for temptation they would have faced. Think about this. The, 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 I count, or excuse me, Lystra is no small town. Um, we know that there is a temple to Zeus built outside of the town. Zeus was the absolute pinnacle of the pantheon. Of all their gods and goddesses, and there were many. And so Paul and Barnabas have gone from basically being run out of town to being called gods, gods among them. Imagine the, the potential for temptation there to say, you know, that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> Offer your sacrifices. And by the way, here's a small list of things, you know, a small list of things that I would demand from you. And they would have done it. Again, the temptation would also be to say, yes, what you've seen here, this miracle that was just done in front of your eyes, this sign that was given, it is my power. And that's why I need a private jet. That's why I dress this way. That's why I have teeth so white that when I smile, you know, the, the camera just tinges a little bit. I mean, we could go on and on about this. This is a pivotal moment for Paul and Barnabas to decide whether or not they're going to be faithful to God or whether they're going to build their own empire. What do they do? Verse 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. Pausing for just a second here. Y'all, 
When Paul and Barnabas tore their clothes, this was a very outward sign of grief, of being troubled. They showed not only that they were opposed to being honored as gods, but even being associated, it grieved them. So they ripped their clothes as a sign of protest to these things. And they rushed out. And did you catch what they said? They said, men, we too are men. Instead of falling for the temptation to elevate themselves higher, No, no, no. They said, no, we're just like you. We're just like you. And what you've seen here, it's it's, it's not about signs and, and wonders and miracles. It's about the good news. And the good news is, instead of falling for this worthless stuff, the wreaths that you bring, the bulls that you bring to sacrifice, instead of doing that stuff, you too can believe in the God who made the heavens and the earth and everything. In other words, you can believe in the real God, not these made-up gods of Zeus and Hermes, and take your pick of any other numbers of gods and goddesses from the Greek or, or, or Roman pantheon. Verse 16, in the past, This is Paul talking about God. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not let himself without or left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Y'all, the reason I think that caveat is thrown in here is realize how the Roman pantheon was built, how how Greek mythology was the basis of it, right? There was a god or, or goddess for every occasion. Fertility gods and goddesses for a good harvest. Gods of the weather, for good rainfall. And what Paul is doing is saying, look, look, I I know you have all these gods and goddesses and you think they're responsible for your blessings, but they're not. The fact that you have these things, all they do is point to the fact not that Zeus is real, not that that Dionysius or or Bacchus is real, or, or no, they point to who God is, that he loves you that he provides for you, and we're bringing you the message, the good news of Jesus, so that you can turn your life over to him, so that you can follow him and leave all this other stuff behind that isn't even real. And y'all, this caveat is thrown in because even with saying this, it's as if they're struggling against the world to not offer sacrifices to them, to not honor them as gods and goddesses. And now you might read this and you might think, oh my goodness, (laughs) I am so glad that we're so advanced today, that we're not like these barbarians from 2,000 years ago that would honor people like this and try to make sacrifices to them and all this other stuff. Y'all, we're not any better. We're not any different. In fact, in a lot of ways, we're worse. At least Paul and Barnabas healed a man that had been handicapped from the moment that he was born, and it wasn't even Paul and Barnabas. I know that. But, But according to their vision, that's who had done it. At least something real happened. We honor celebrities celebrities. We treat them as gods and goddesses. My goodness, you know, these people 
that get on their private jet and fly all over the world telling me that I need a better catalytic converter for my 2010 Jeep Wrangler and that I shouldn't drive it because it gets poor fuel economy while they take a private jet. I mean, yeah, these people that stop raping each other long enough to tell you and me how we should behave and live our lives. Come on, y'all. And they get treated like gods and goddesses. We have this odd worship thing going on in our society for these people that are horrible human beings. At least Paul and Barnabas, they saw something actually happen with them. So take it easy on those people from Lystra, okay? But y'all, it just goes to show the nature of the world around us. It was Blaise Pascal, the French philosopher and theologian, that talked about how inside all of us there's a God-shaped hole. And the only thing that will fill it properly is God, the real God. But if you don't have him, you go looking for something to fill that void. And so you worship all sorts of things. I mean, it, you know, you find the most ludicrous stuff out there and you think, why would people fall for that? Well, to use another metaphor, for the same reason that a hungry man will eat out of a garbage can. If you're hungry, you'll eat whatever you can get. And people that are struggling out there, they're, they're groping, they're grasping for truth. They'll believe the most utter nonsense because they're starving for truth. That's what's going on here in Acts 14. But to my shame, to our corporate shame, instead of being like Paul and Barnabas, being the ones that go out and tear their clothes and say, would you please listen to this stuff? Would you, would you listen to yourself? Would you pay attention? Would you not turn to the God who has given you all these things? Would you not learn? Instead of being that, sometimes we go right along with the world. And you might say, well, I don't worship celebrities and I, you know, all this other stuff. Y'all, we are so prone to find idols for ourselves. I don't know who said it first, but show me what you covet and I'll show you your idol. So good at it. And yet we are called to something higher. As those who know Jesus Christ, we're the ones that are called to tell the truth of Christ, to stand against the rising tide of celebrity worship or environmental worship or even animal worship, right? I mean, this idea that, that animals are, are equal or higher to people, all this stuff. No, we have the truth. We're supposed to tell it. Nevertheless, what happens next? Verse 19, then some Jews. This ought to be sounding familiar at this point, right? You have this paradigm going where Paul and Barnabas are going out and preaching, people are believing, and then some Jews show up. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, remember where they just were, and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Now, y'all, a lot of things go on in verse 19 that we don't know about. We don't know how the crowd was won over by the Jews. We don't know what the Jews said, but it must have been pretty powerful. 
must have been pretty convincing because they've gone from thinking that Paul is the highest in their entire system of gods and goddesses. They go from thinking that Paul is Zeus to thinking that they've killed him. They stone him, which meant big stones, little stones. It, it was horrible. It's, it's something that you and I probably cannot fathom in terms of, uh, of, of almost being killed by being hit by rocks. They stone him so much they think that he's dead. What's going on with Barnabas? Don't exactly know, but they stone Paul. They drag him out of the city. Verse 20, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Yeah, <laughs> you know, people think the miracle here is in verse eight the man that, that was paralyzed from birth being healed. And, and no doubt that is a miracle. But the fact that they think that Paul is dead and then disciples gather around him, it doesn't say that they prayed. You can almost guarantee it though, but they gather around him and then he stands up and he walks back into the city. He's gone from being on the verge of death to he's right back in there. And then the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Y'all, this is one of the most incredible, incredible verses in God's word. And we're treated as it's treated as though it's just business. That's because the incredible becomes the normal when you're doing what the Lord has commanded you to do. The unbelievable becomes the everyday when you're trusting in Christ and submitting to the spirit. And also the un. <laughs> amazing, unbelievable just becomes life when you're talking about Jesus keeping his promise to build his church. Yet again, nothing can stop the gospel, but we do have a calling. We have a calling to keep things straight. We have a calling to continually point people not to ourselves, but to point people to God. Paul and Barnabas, give us the example. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this example given to us by Paul and Barnabas and, and this, this unbelievable, incredible turn of events. We pray that we too would be committed to pointing others to Jesus Christ. Please now go with us and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning. It should be posted at 6 a.m. Until then, I hope that you have a very happy Tuesday. Take care.